Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. A little bit of hockey news today. The New York Rangers have signed Jimmy VC to an entry-level contract. He was the coveted college free agent Hobie Baker Award winner as the top player in the NCAA last season for uh, Harvard. He's 23, 24 goals, 22 assists in just 33 games during four years at Harvard. Had 144 points in 128 games. Originally drafted by Nashville, 66th overall in 2012. He said he would not sign with them by the August 15th deadline. Uh, the Predators actually traded his rights to the Buffalo Sabres for a third-round pick in the 2016 draft, met with several teams this week, ultimately choosing the Rangers. So there you go. Uh, a little bit, we were talking about uh, Ryan Lochte there. Jay on right now, we're joking about maybe a, a reality show, Locked Up with Lochte. The, the uh, I guess, do we now call him a disgraced swimmer? Or is that is that too strong? Anyway, uh, it's a, it's now it's a now discredited story about a robbery committed by gunmen pretending to be police, still dominating the conversation at the Summer Olympics. Jim Ryan with the story here. The police have said that Ryan Lochte and three other swimmers weren't victims, but vandals trashing a gas station men's room before they were confronted by an armed security guard. Lochte has now tweeted an apology for the whole incident. Mark Adams of the International Olympic Committee says apology accepted. We think it's entirely appropriate and we, we welcome it and um, we hope that we can now carry on as we have been concentrating on the sport. It'll be up to a Brazilian judge to decide whether the apology makes up for the damage done to the city's reputation. Jim Ryan, ABC News in Rio. All right. So, yeah, that is, that is a bizarre one. We talked a little bit about it uh, last night. Jay and I were, 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 you know, were joking about it, but obviously did kind of a dumb thing. 708 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This portion, by the way, presented by Northlands Park, Racetrack and Casino. Western Canada's most important racing event is almost here. The Canadian Derby presented by CIBC at Northlands Park goes tomorrow at 1 p.m. As we mentioned, big night at the track. The world's greatest sprinter ready to go once again. Usain Bolt is 8 for 8 at the Olympics. What's next? Four by ones. <laughs> the astonishing sprinter runs his last Olympic race, the 400-meter relay. The Jamaican Quartet is the two-time Olympic champion, so a victory would give Bolt an unprecedented triple, triple, triple at the Games. And then he'll be done. As far as the Olympics are concerned... I can't prove anything else. Top contenders to spoil the party? The United States and Japan. Warren Levin in Rio de Janeiro. Well, could, well, Canada could spoil the party. I think. I hope. 
I hope we can get the bronze. That's kind of what I think is realistic for Canada in the 4x100 relay. We shall see. It's coming up shortly, very shortly. Try our guest now, uh, Kellen. I think he's ready to go. Uh, we're going to try to hook up here with uh, EJ Paris, who has sprinted in the Olympic Games. He's won medals in the Pan Am Games. He's won uh, medals in the Commonwealth Games. So we want to get some of his perspective on uh, on DeGrasse, on Bolt, on, on why they're successful and what he thinks might go down in the relay tonight. This is going to be fun. That race walking story, we'll try to, uh, well, not we, we'll, uh, we'll have a guest on who's, who's going to try to explain it to you between 8 and 8.30 tonight. He should know what happened. Tim Barrett lives in Edmonton. He competed in race walking in the Olympics five times. So he'll have a little bit of perspective about the rules and uh, why those protests happened the way they did. And I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports for the very first time, hopefully not the last, it's EJ Paris. EJ, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing, man? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for making time for us. Uh, big race uh, coming up just after the bottom of the hour. We'll obviously have you done by then, but but before we, we get into some of the Olympic stuff, I mean, I was just giving some people some highlights of your resume. You uh, you ran in Beijing 2008. You won a Commonwealth uh, Games medal. You got uh, silver in uh, the Pan Am Games in Brazil in 2007. I believe you had uh, the fastest Canadian time in the 60 meters back in 2008. So, I mean, did, how, how, did you, how did you get into get into sprinting? What was your career trajectory like? I uh, started off with high school. I uh, pretty much was recruited from the game of soccer at an early age. You know, my teammates noticed that I had pretty good speed um, heading down the pitch, playing, a, playing as a forward. But uh, I didn't play my position much. I was always... <laughs> You know, jetting back and forth from defense to forward. But, uh, yeah, that sport of soccer definitely introduced me to, you know, to the high-speed locomotion that you see in track and field. And, and my sister as well. My sister was definitely a major part, and obviously yeah, my mom, uh, who supported me so much throughout my lifetime. Uh, they were definitely supportive, especially in the earliest, of uh, my desire to actually try and beat my sister and run fast because she was one of the fastest athletes in my high school. I had big shoes to fill. <laughs> was this all in Edmonton, or did you move around? Yeah, I moved around. I was, uh, I'm was i native to Tobico, Ontario, okay. so just outside, or you say between uh, Mississauga and Toronto. And uh, I'd say pretty much the first university was spent in Illinois, and the rest was spent in Sherbrooke in Quebec, and finally moved out here when I, I turned pro. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you helped us out with uh, one of our, our videos about a month ago when we had the, the Tracktown Classic and, and, the, and the qualifying for the oh, Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're right here in Edmonton, so thanks. That. We didn't get to meet, but, uh, but, yeah. but we were in touch a little bit. So um, give me, EJ, your, some of your expertise here on, first of all, uh, let's start with Bolt. I mean, he's, he's the big guy. He's, he's done yeah. things no one else has been able to do um he is often looking around and seeing how far he is ahead of people at the end of the yeah. is he is he just a freak of nature that just he, you know the god-given talent and the drive everything came together yeah it's all there it's all there that guy has all the ingredients usually you meet sprinters who are missing one piece or you know uh, another piece might be overdeveloped to compensate but both seems to be to have it all like the mental component uh you know, the physiological and psychological pieces, are they all seem to be there. Mind you, he is human, so, you know, injuries unfortunately do happen. We have to, you know, bask in that volatility at some point in our career. But uh, this guy knows how to persevere. He knows how to, uh, 
to perform. He's, he's shown us that, doing it on a big stage. You know, when people talk about his uh, showmanship and stuff, uh, him kind of joking around on the track, I think something like that is needed. You know, and, and we talk about it. So it's definitely the spectators are enjoying it some way, shape, or form, whether they want to see him win or lose. But this guy's got it. So, <laughs> you know, kudos to him. When I mean, look, the the men and women who reach that level are obviously incredibly driven, incredibly competitive, and incredibly yeah. de- dedicated. Having said that, in that final of the 100 meters, and even the 200 for that meter, do you think the rest of the field felt they were racing for silver? Yeah, you know what? It's, I would almost say you'd have to ask each and every single one of them. I could tell you how I would feel like, and that's what I'm giving you is my, my, my experience, um, you know, with, with perhaps a little bit of some others who may have talked to me about, you know, what they felt when they compete against, you know, certain greats, um, whether it be the Arrow, the Maurice Green, or the Asafa Powell and stuff. And really, truthfully, when someone's leading pack, you know, they, you know we all know that. And, um, you know, when you look at Lion Prize and stuff, there's always going to be an alpha. And I feel like when people win big races, such as the Olympics, World Champ, Pan Am, Commonwealth, um, even their national trials, because the U.S. national trials and Jamaican national trials are crazy. They're very intense. And the winner usually ends up being, you know, a world champion or Olympic champion. So whoever that is sets the stage as the alpha. And I feel like um, just as in human nature, we end up becoming somewhat submissive psychologically to, to you know, that person who's standing on top of the mountain. You know, every once in a while you have that, that individual, and we could say in their case, ignorance is bliss, where they don't give a crap about that that whole hierarchy you know and i'll say andre de Graff, for example he seems he seems to exude that confidence he has that je ne sais quoi that almost that even though he's 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 uh he's he's friends or he seems to be appears to be friends with bolt i feel like deep in that kid's mind like he he's ready to beat bolt you know mind you the, the, will it happen this year next year who knows but uh you could see that, that kid he's fresh on the scene and he doesn't it's almost like he doesn't worry about respecting other athletes he's just there to just kind of master his craft and right. Bolt was there at one point, right? Which is why he's the big man now. Uh, EJ Paris joining us on Inside Sports, former Olympic sprinter as we uh, get you ready for the uh, men's 4x1 relay. So Bolt, I got to ask you this, EJ. Bolt is six foot five. DeGrasse is, uh, depending on where you look, listed as as 5'9 or 5'10. Yeah. So physically to generate that speed, because of the height difference, does it happen have to happen differently for each man? Yeah, um, you know what, this, this, I, I get that question a lot, and, you know, I'm, my answer is, and I, I'll stick by it right now, and research science, I guess, can back this up. It's all about force application. It's about ground reaction forces. Uh, it's about, you know, it'll be technical vertical impulse, so how well you can fly. How It's pretty much how much force can you put into the ground in the shortest amount of time. How can you optimize the use of your energy? How can you do something very, very dynamic? Um, but stay relaxed at the same time. So now we're talking positions, we're talking uh, angles, we're talking like angular velocity. So for those who love physics, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll look into that and understand what I mean. Um, it's about biomechanics and the force going through the body. So really the lever length, the anthropometry, all that stuff, I don't think we should get too wrapped up in it because people, people who have been effective in basketball come in di- different shapes and sizes, uh, Spud Webb. Right. You know, being an amazing, <laughs> having amazing vertical. He's a short guy. I yeah. bet you, any money, there are so many short basketball players out there who are who basically don't get the same chance that a tall athlete would. You know, so I feel like we need to start getting rid of these, the, the uh, you know, these comparisons between long levers and short levers. It's pretty much how effective is the individual. 
you know, how strong is the system? How tolerant is it of all that force running through the body? Because, you know, some people just don't, they, they may not be well prepared. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's the genetics. So who's your mother? Who's your father? <laughs> what kind of genetic imprint <laughs> were you given from, you know, the generation all the way up to the third, you know, three generations removed from you? Those are the things that uh, you want to know. Is oh. this individual ridden with fast twitch fibers or loaded with fast twitch fibers? Right. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great answer. EJ Paris joining us on, on Inside Sports, talking a little bit about the uh, sprinting at the Summer Olympics here. What did you think? I'm just I'm just curious from a guy who's been in these races and been in heats yeah. and qualifying and had rivals. What did you think of DeGrasse and Bolt at the end of the 200-meter semifinal? And then Bolt was like, oh, he shouldn't have tried to push it that hard, and they were kind of smiling at each other. What did you think of all that? Yeah. Well, I guess we saw that, according to Andre DeGrasse's commentary after the race, after the final, it seems like he was agreeing that Bolt was right, you know, because he said, you know, I felt great yesterday in the semis, but today I just didn't feel like it just wasn't there. The pop wasn't there. So maybe he did let leave too much on the track. Who knows? Maybe the hype over breaking the national record in the semis and thinking, that's only the semis. Like, imagine what I could do tomorrow. Maybe there was a lot of nervous energy spent thinking about that. And sometimes it's... Sometimes the athlete has an entourage. I don't know if this is true in the case of Andre, but athlete, an athlete will run fast, and all of a sudden they, they just accrue like a crap load of friends all in, in, in a matter of minutes. So people want to talk to you. They want to find out how fast you're going to run tomorrow. They, they don't understand what, it, what it's like, the psychology of the sprinter, and the fact that the sprinters sometimes need to be left alone after big races. You know, I'm pretty certain you know, he probably got a lot of calls. I don't know how he dealt with it. Who knows? I don't know who his manager is or team personnel and stuff, but... You know, there could have been some other things involved that, that didn't have much to do with him running so fast in the semi. Right. You know, could have been a conversation he had with someone or an interaction. Could be the food. Could be the lack of sleep from something else bothering him. Who knows? So there's so many questions. Yeah, so much goes, so much happens before you get a run for those nine and a half or, t- or 20 seconds, right? Oh, uh, no, I, got a, I, got a, I got a question, EJ, for you on the text line. Um, yeah. this, this texter says, Reed, can you ask EJ why it appears that at the end of his race, his bolt appears to back out of it? Why doesn't he just push it for the last 20 meters? Like, I think the texter's kind of asking, why doesn't he just try to set a record each and every time he runs? Uh... That, once again, another question that I, w- I would like to ask both. I don't know him personally. <laughs> you know, guys like Asafa Powell and some of the other guys on the team, Michael Freider, uh, Nesta Carter and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, I wouldn't be able – I don't think I'd be able to ask both that. But let's say if I was him and I was jogging before fit that finish line, it might be uh, a mind game. I'm playing with everybody else. Like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know that I'm not pushing to my, to my utmost <laughs> and I'm still beating you. Right. So fall into my trap or fall into – Fall into my world. I'm the Freddy Krueger right now, and this is this is this is your nightmare. But I'm inside of it. and I'm controlling everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so who knows? That that's just that's just something that comes to mind. All right, last one. I'll I'll put you on the spot for a prediction. Uh, can the Canadian men uh, get a medal in about 15 minutes in the four by one? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, you know what? How about this? I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna pause for a moment to go back. The women's four by one is about to start right now. Yeah. You know most of the girls in the race, and I actually want to see them come with a medal. So I don't want to forget about the women's four by one. I would love to see that medal. I believe it's possible. Uh, anything's possible, but I'm not even saying it's a far-fetched idea. Um, very fast team. For the men, medal, uh, I don't want to say no doubt because it's about getting the baton around, but they get that baton around, they have a medal, and it might even look gold. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. EJ, have fun watching, buddy. We'll do this again. Thank you so much for your Most time, definitely. Matt. definitely. Take care. I got to let EJ go so he can uh, he can watch a little sprinting. And the women's 4x1, uh, 
uh, actually going around the track right now. Oh, guess who won, Kellen Kennedy? Our neighbors to the south. Our neighbors to the south, and I think uh, Canada had a bit of a tough time and got seventh. They'll have to wait for the final result. We'll get that to you when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Put some hip in tonight, right? We did, yeah. Tomorrow's the big uh, final show. It's going to be a good show, yeah. I, I got I, I to say, I mean, and, and music is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. I, I never uh, I, I never got as as big into the hip as a lot of people uh, that, that I was going to university with yeah. at, at the time. Yeah. Um, but certainly an iconic Canadian band. Mm-hmm. And... Would you not say, Kellen, is that is that not the best band name in the history of rock music? The Tragically Hip. Like, what, what a great name for a band. I would say that the top three band names in the history of modern music are all Canadian bands. And what are your other two? My uh, goodness. You I thought mo- about this. I we Mother did, we Earth did not is plan one. this. I Mother Earth is one. Okay. And Our Lady Peace is number two. All right. I, I I'd go with I I'd put for me the tra- I mean that's just such a great band name yeah but and then it can be shortened is, to the hip is, is up there and so. here's another but thing I'll say about the tragically hip in in my mind this is mm-hmm. just this is just my opinion and I don't want to irritate people like I irritated the show jumping community earlier but this is just mm-hmm. my opinion and observation that if you had never heard of the tragically hip right and you and you said to somebody okay. Uh, there's this band called the Tragically Hip. Let's just sit and listen to some of their CDs or tapes mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I I would think the reaction would be is that's exactly how they expected them to sound from their band name. Like mm-hmm. it just fits. Yes. Like I don't know. Some other music just sounds like that's how a band called the Tragically. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense. But you know what I mean? It's just like, oh yeah, that's the Tragically. Yeah. Hip. I have that's to, the have band. It all fit. It all fits together. Have to concede that you know, other than the fully completely album, the Hip. To me, we're kind of. I'm more of a Rush fan than I am a Hip fan. Nothing but, wrong with it. But uh, you know, you re- got to respect their absolutely. longevity yeah. and success. I mean, that, that's where I come from. Even if I don't, if I, if I don't like an artist or I've never followed an artist, there's a point where you got to respect the longevity yeah. and, and the following that they do have yeah. for sure. And tomorrow night is going to be a, a really historic night. There will be tears shed, and uh, it'll be another good music for sure. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Well, I'm not going to do the news. Thomas Dice is going to do the news. We're going to keep going with Inside Sports. Uh, a little Eskimos talk with Dave Campbell. We'll, I'll ask him if he thinks Mike Riley might be uh, a little more banged up than he's letting on. And we'll tell you what happens in the men's 4 by one The United States won the women's. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Upset brewing in the CFL halfway through the first quarter in Ottawa, our fourth quarter. I think I just combined first and fourth into one word there. Did I say the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. The call in fourth quarter. <laughs> it is halfway through the fourth quarter. 
Uh, Montreal leads Ottawa 37-19. How Ooh. about that for the Alouettes? That'll shake up the standings a bit. It will. The uh, Blue Jays are leading the Indians 2-1 in the ninth. They're trying to close it out. I can also tell you the Red Sox pounding Detroit 10-2. The Astros, uh, that's in the eighth. The Astros lead the Orioles 12-8. <laughs> what is in the seventh? The Blue Jays entered tonight a game and a half up on uh, both Baltimore and Boston. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in tonight. Great to have you along for the ride. By the way, Kellen, this isn't just a Friday night edition of Inside Sports. Mm-hmm. It's a Friday night dance party edition of Inside Sports. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. I see your toe tapping, Kellen Kennedy. <laughs> I got a horn somewhere here. Hold on. Yeah, it's party! <laughs> you got it. Okay, it's not an air horn, but. Uh, all right, the race is going to start right away. We will. We have Dave Campbell standing by from Toronto. We won't bring him in until the four by one is done. Uh. Frustrated fan says, my thoughts on the Olympics. Any events that people make a living at, like ice hockey, golf, tennis, for example, should allow only amateurs to compete? You know, I, fair argument, frustrated fan, and other people have chimed in on that. I see the appeal of it. I just don't know how you go back now. That's the, that's the hard part, right? Farmer Kevin says, uh, I think the Tragically Hip are hugely overrated and a lot of their popularity due to Canadian content rules forcing radio stations to give them airplay. A good barometer of how good a group is is how popular they are outside of their home country. Say what you will about Nickelback, but they have sold a ton of CDs worldwide and are famous internationally. Outside of Canada, virtually nobody has heard of the Tragically Hip. That's Farmer Kevin saying that. I mean, here's the thing. If you, if you like a band, you'll like them. If you don't like them, you might think they're overrated. Well, nobody I'm not, else... Like, I'm, not, I'm not a huge hip fan. Like, I don't, I don't hate them. I just don't... I never got it hugely into following them. No, Nobody outside of Canada knew of Stompin' Tom Connors either, but we still, you know, mourn his loss and celebrate the hockey song every time it's played, right? So... Right. Well, music's a very personal thing. You're going to like what you like. Yeah. Uh, we're waiting for the relay to start. Then we'll bring in Dave Campbell. This portion of the show brought to you by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino, Western Canada's most important racing event. Almost here, the Canadian Derby presented by CIBC at Northlands Park tomorrow at 1 p.m. 7.37 is uh, the time of day. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Uh, the tragically hip. I mean, an incredible run, and th- and that's that's really my point more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Whether you, whether you like them or not, hopefully, and hopefully, Farmer Kevin feels this way. It's hard not to respect them. I mean, okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe they're not popular outside of Canada. You made a good point. Wh- who plays the hockey song outside of Canada? Is it yeah. is it widely played in other nations? I would I would guess not. No. So like what you like. Akeem Haynes, Aaron Brown. Brendan Rodney, Andre DeGrasse taking to the track in Rio. Men's 4x100 relay coming up. 
Canada, by the way, the women's soccer team beating Brazil 2-1 in the bronze medal match. Eric Lamaze got a bronze in show jumping. 20 medals now for Canada, 13 of them bronze. We'll talk more at the top of the hour about the medal we had briefly, very briefly, in uh, the race walk. Evan Dunphy finished, uh, was fourth across the line. There was a protest yeah. because he was bumped by a Japanese uh, walker. Walker, that's what they call the zombies <laughs> yeah. on the Walking Dead. <laughs> that's, what the race, that's what the race walk should be. That, that would be an event I'd pay to see, the zombie survival walk or something at the Olympics. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Now I, now I got this image or, of, like, or, or, now, now I have this image of, of uh, like, Rick and, and, the, and the crew on The Walking Dead hurting all these zombies and making them race. Or in other make, words, you know, Rio de Janeiro, Copacabana Beach after the bars close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> after so, last call. So anyway, he crossed the line, he crossed the line fourth. He'd been bumped by a Japanese walker. Yeah. So Canada protested and he got bumped up to third and then the Japanese protested and they said, no, the Japanese guy keeps third place, gets the bronze medal and uh, the Canadian guy goes back to fourth. Kellen, you're going to have to turn your mic off, I think, when I'm talking because there, there's an echo. So I know it sucks for you to turn it on and off, but it sounds a little funny to me. Uh, just a technical note. You're welcome to participate. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you to stop no, talking. No, So, so I, it's, it's, and people have asked me, well, what, what happened? Why did they do this? I mean, the way I understand it is that, is that there are two levels of officiating. So the pro, the, I think the Canadians kind of protested at one level and then the Japanese protested at another level and therefore it gets to stand up. But Tim Barrett, Edmontonian, competed in five Olympics as a race walker. So I'm pretty sure he knows the rules. <laughs> or he should. So he's going to join us at, uh, at, at 805, 8.05 tonight. Okay, tell you what, Kellen, let's take a break because I think we got two or three minutes of commercials. Yeah. And then the race should be going on by the time we get back so we can update people, and then we'll bring in Dave Campbell from Toronto for a little bit of an Eskimos preview. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. You ask me to be your savior. All right, it's 7.43. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great weekend planned. Eskimos, Toronto, tomorrow on this station. The game at BMO Field, 12.30 pregame show, 2 o'clock for the kickoff. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott are there. We're going to have Dave Campbell joining us in uh, under two minutes. They are uh, coming down the home stretch in the men's 4 by 100 to relay. What a spectacular finish by Andre de Grasse. And it doesn't look like it's going to be enough, though, to get Canada a medal. Looks like he came in fourth. He was n nowhere close to the bronze medal position when he got the baton, made up a lot of ground. Oh, by the way, Bolt and Jamaica won. As expected. Uh, good push by DeGrasse there at the end. And, uh, yeah, Japan on the... Was it uh, Japan's... Or did Japan beat the States? 
I think Japan beat the States for second place. They, they were fighting for second place, Reed. I'm, I think Japan may have eked it out at the line. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm trying to look at that score, but now we're, we're both watching without the sound, obviously, because we're trying to do a radio show. Yeah, I think Japan got second, the United States got third. If true, that's an upset. So there you go. So the state still gets on the podium. So uh, unofficially, Jamaica, Japan, United States, Canada in the men's 4x100 relay. All right. Dave Campbell in Toronto, ready to call the Eskimos game tomorrow. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great from the sweat box known as Toronto, Ontario, where the humidity got well into the 30s today. And... Uh, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm always thankful for my wife. Love her very much uh, for packing me about six shirts uh, on this trip. So I'm already through my second collared shirt. I got about uh, three or four T-shirts. Uh, so I'm I'm very thankful for her. But you know about many things, but for packing me so many shirts right now. Yeah, it's I can't do the humidity. I'm just well, I mean, as Western Canadian kids, we're not used to it. And no. it, it's bad down there, man. Like some days you just feel like somebody open a window and turn on the air conditioning. Oh, the windows <laughs> are already open and the air conditioning <laughs> is on. And I still feel like I can't breathe. I know. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, in Edmonton, I, I felt Edmonton has become more humid over the years, but it doesn't even compare. It's not even close to how bad it is here. It is crazy. You can lick the air here. That, that's how that's how bad it is. So, wasn't it bad in Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, or is this even worse? This is worse. I yeah. mean, Ottawa Ottawa was pretty humid, too, the first couple of days, but then we had some uh, cooling off. I think on the game day, on game day, it got to about 19, 20 degrees, so that was nice. So the humidity uh, was pretty much not there. But here, it's uh, oh, it's going to be it's going to be a hot one tomorrow as well for the game. I mean, pretty much what we saw today or what we felt today. I mean, we had humidity well into the 30s. Uh, it's going to be like that tomorrow, and then game's going to be around four o'clock uh, in uh, Toronto time as far as kickoff is concerned. So, you know, you, you, it's not the hottest part of the day, but it's definitely going to be uh, it's definitely going to be a hot one tomorrow. Have you uh, been to BMO Field yet, Dave, or will you get your first look tomorrow? I'll get the first look tomorrow. It's going to be very busy around there because the uh, Canadian National Exhibition is taking place as well. So um, I think the Argos are banking on a, a big crowd. They have a promotion that uh, if you buy a ticket to the to the game, uh, that gets you in for free to the CNE on that day. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, all I've heard is good things as far as you know the, the resurgence of the of the franchise. Uh, that remains to be seen. It uh, doesn't help. The Argos only have one win, I believe, in uh, three, four games there, so that doesn't help. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I will not miss stale, dull, drab Rogers Center. will not miss that place at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, 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 I can see why you're saying that. I never, I never saw a football game at Rogers Center, but, uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. All right, so I had Jason Vega on the show. You lined him up. Thanks for thanks for that. Uh, really interesting uh interview uh you can of course get it on the uh from the podcast for inside sports and i tweeted out a specific clip last night where he talked about the impact of his mother who he lost about a, a year and a half ago to cancer so uh, a well-rounded uh young man who knows he's lucky to play pro sports and he might be playing a lot for the eskimos on saturday yeah he will i mean he was going to play anyway but uh, yesterday reuben frank uh very late in practice uh uh, was injured and uh, now a late scratch. So he's on the one-game injured list. So uh, Vega goes from a rotational player to uh, to a starter. So you know that's going to change the plans. Obviously for him, he's going to have to play more snaps. And 
Um, now they're going to bring in Josh Watson, who they brought in uh, about uh, three weeks ago, who uh, doesn't have any CFL experience and has uh, experience with the NFL Denver Broncos, played at Clemson for about four seasons. But, you know, for Vega, it's going to be interesting to see you know, how good a conditioning he actually is in. Because, you know, I know football players are in shape even when they're waiting for the phone to ring. But, to, to ring, but you know, it's, you know, football shape and being in shape are two different things. So uh, so we're, we're going to see how Vega looks. I mean, he, he could, you know, coming in and playing a, a defensive end role can be, uh, and I think we talked about it early, earlier in the week, it's not overly difficult that he, you know, can't come in and, and understand what he's doing. And, and the fact that uh, he has seen a similar system run before, uh, you know, Mike Benavidi's system now, he's seen it before. Uh, he's worked with Casey Crean, who used to be a defensive coordinator in the league uh, in Winnipeg and uh, in Toronto last year. Uh, so he understands what he's supposed to be doing. So I don't think the mental part of the game is going to be an issue for him, but it's the physical part of the game uh, that I'm going to be really curious to see because he'll be, uh, you know, definitely be, be pressed in to play more snaps, and uh, that wasn't the plan originally. But injuries happen, and he's going to play a lot more. All right, I want to ask you about another member of the team. It's a guy we talk about a lot, and that's Mike Riley. And, and you and I talked to Section O, one of our loyal listeners and callers every week, either on points after or on inside sports. He believes Mike Riley isn't a hundred percent ever since he took some shots against Hamilton. Um, I haven't heard anything along those lines. I mean, okay. And of course we, we specify first of all, that no football player is a hundred percent a third of the way into the season. Um, but do you get any sense there's something lingering or maybe a little bit more serious with Mike Riley? Because we know he'll try to play through it, right? Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, could anything be going on there? You know, I thought after the Hamilton game when he took the shot from uh, John Chick, I thought in the Winnipeg game well, and, and after the, the hit from Chick and the rest of that game that he definitely was laboring and maybe dealing with something. It definitely looked like that in the Winnipeg game. Uh, and then they had a long week and then they go to Ottawa and, you know, I think you know, he took more hits, obviously, and that uh, that didn't help. But, you know, I saw him in the Montreal game in a short week. I didn't think he he looked that bad. I thought he was escaping pressure fine. So, you know, I, to, to say and to pinpoint that Mike Riley's maybe struggling lately or, or dealing with something uh, injury-wise, I think it might be hard to say. Other than what you're saying is, yeah, he, he might be dealing with just the usual bumps and bruises uh, during the season, but... I thought last week he actually didn't play that badly. He escaped pressure well. He got 300 yards passing. The, this the offense, you know, had fumbleitis uh, inside the five yard line, and uh, you know they got a touchdown taken away from a challenge. So, uh, you know, I, I honestly think that whatever Mike Riley was dealing with, it, it doesn't appear to be you know an issue now. I definitely thought it was an issue for, you know, maybe uh, maybe five quarters uh, after the. Uh, after the hit he took from John Chick. So, you know, I'll err on the side of no at this point. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you, you know, you don't want your quarterback taking the amount of hits that Mike Riley was taking, you know, in the Hamilton game and especially in the Ottawa game. I mean, you know, he took some shots uh, against the Alouettes, but I thought, uh, you know, I thought the line played, a, 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 you know, better, you know, having Sorensen back in there at center and then moving Rotier back to his usual left guard position I thought was, uh, was a positive move. And, you know, Riley was able to get some things done so um as far as dealing with a, a you know something that's really serious and maybe a concern i would have to say no at this point 
I had Keon Raymond on the show last night, a former Stampede. Good guy. Yeah, good, really good interview, too. He played for the New Orleans Voodoo, by the way, in the uh, Arena Football League. We talked about Whoa. that. But, yeah, good good interview, good representative of the Canadian Football League. And uh, I said, who worries you more, Walker or Bowman? And he said, well, I'll say Riley, since he's the guy that has to get them the ball. So, I, I mean, there's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of pressure and, and, and look, the Eskimos' offensive line, when they've been all five guys intact, I thought has been at least average most of the time. Clearly, they struggled when Sorensen was out. But I, I wonder if that's just going to be con- continue to be the strategy of defenses, is we're not going to pick Walker or Bowman because then the other guy's more likely to kill you. So we are just going to go after Riley, bang, 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 as much as we can. Yeah, I'll, I'll be very interested to see how uh, longtime defensive coordinator uh, in this league, Rich Dubler, who's now in that position with the Argos, how he plays Mike Riley, and you know, does he try and send more pressure than than the four uh, up front? And yeah, I, I would agree with Keon Raymond. Um, you got to try and hit Riley as as much as you can, and try and get him off his game. I mean, Mike Riley is going to come back and come back and come back after being hit. We all know that. Um, you know, he's one scary hit away from being hurt. We we saw that last year in the opening game in 2015 in Fort McMurray. Uh, what can happen sometimes when you know you're you can't protect your quarterback and he gets hit. So, uh, but you know, I think that's a good game plan because you know Mike Riley is going to try and get. Walker and Bowman involved no matter what. I mean, that's the focal point of the offense. Get four and get 87 the ball. But if you eliminate the quarterback and you also, not necessarily eliminate him, but uh, limit him, uh, get him worried about pressure, get him worried about getting hit, because Mike Riley's human, you know. He he got hit a lot in the Ottawa game, and I think it did have a, a, a negative effect on him. Um, and he's he's just human, you know. Any quarterback is going to be upset about the about you know pressure that they receive and the hits that they receive at, uh, receive at some point. Uh, so I think that's not a bad strategy. Is you know I, I think the, the 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 secondary. It's funny. I was talking today with the cornerback uh, uh, AJ Jefferson, uh, the Argos, who's going to face Darrell Walker, and that's going to be a tough matchup uh, for both sides. But he says, you know, we know that four and eighty-seven are going to get the football. So we know we know that. So. Um, but the focal point is always going to be the quarterback because he touches the ball all the time. So uh, if you're a defense, get hits on the quarterback. Doesn't matter if he's, uh, you know, if he's Mike Riley and, and tough as nails, you got to try and hit him. All right. Well, the Eskimos need this one. I mean, a chance to get to 500 and uh, keep pace. I can't believe I'm saying this with not just Calgary and BC, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as well. What? Who, who yes, I know. I've. Uh, I, I'm on the verge of having to eat my words here. Uh, I had Winnipeg at 7-11. and 11. They're already over halfway there. We'll see, though. A lot of football yeah. left. Dave, stay dry, buddy. Thanks for chiming in tonight. Oh, thank you very much. And I'm saying we're going to go change my shirt because I just, you know, it was pretty pretty humid when I was talking to you. So I'm, I'm just going to go change my shirt now. Thanks. Oh, there, there's a visual no one needs. Sorry about that. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah, gee, thanks, Dave. Okay, as we're doing that interview, just keeping one eye on the TV, we have a developing story in Rio that could involve the Canadian relay team, the men's team, being bumped up to the bronze medal position. I was mentioning that Japan upset the United States for second place. Jamaica obviously won gold. Replays showing a Japanese runner stepping on the line, dividing lanes down the home stretch. You may remember in London in 2012, um, Canada 
was in a metal position and was disqualified because Jared Connaughton accidentally stepped on a line. So the bronze medal then went to Trinidad and Tobago. Canada was disqualified. So Canada now could get a medal through the same means they lost one four years ago. But uh, nothing yet. It looks, it, we're hearing that it's being looked at. So we'll keep you posted as we move along tonight. You'll also get an explanation from five-time Olympic race walker Tim Barrett about how Canada didn't have a medal, then had a medal, then had it taken away in today's race walk. We'll stay on top of all this inside sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.